So, you know, we're in the election season. I figured I would do something that would ruffle some feathers, of course. Amen. Nonetheless, um, the reason why I did that, if you don't have an outline, real quick, raise your hand. Just raise it up. Hold it up there. Just keep it up while I talk, and the ushers will get it to you. But the reason why I did that little video there is because, you know, we hear promises, right? And then we think about our promises. But what today's message is about is about God's promises. And can I tell you something? Candidates may fail in their promises. We may fail in our promises. God never fails in his promises. And the beauty of that is that we can know for sure that we can trust in whatever God says in his word that he is going to accomplish. He is going to bring that to pass. And so that is what I want us to look at today, or that's actually what we're looking at today, whether I wanted to or not. That's just where we are in the text. We're talking about God's promises for the future and the encouragement. As, as we started this series, our end time encouragement series, um, we, you know, we understand that God is trying to encourage the church. And the thing that encourages us as a church more than anything else is what? It is that we are able to stand firm upon God's promises because we know that God is infallible, right? God does not change. God is perfect in all of his ways. And so we realize that about our God, and so we can trust him. And when we look at the scriptures that we just read today, this is all about God's promises, This is all about what God said he's going to do and what God has already done and accomplished for us. So today, the title of the message is The Future is Bright. And so all your hands are down, so that means you have an outline, and you can follow along with me in this outline, and you can... Um, go, go ahead with me to the intro, and then you can also answer some questions that are there for the outline. But then also, as I repeat weekly, you can also utilize this outline to help uh, someone else grow in their faith, which is something that is extremely important for me. If there's one promise that I think that we should make is that we will be committed to being disciple makers, that we will be those who are committed to walk with God and that we will do what God calls us to do in making disciples in this earth. And so first paragraph here, our series comes to the point where the future of the church, dead and alive, are brought into view. There's probably no greater time in history that we as believers need to have an eternal focus with our hearts encouraged about the future. And so Paul is is encouraging the church here. And it's the same thing I want to do this morning is to be able to encourage us as to where we need to be focused on, right? And and where we need to have our hope and where we need to have our trust. I love, you know, in the prayer time this morning, I don't remember, you know, who it was. But, you know, as we were praying, just the idea that, you know, there is a time when we're no longer going to struggle with sin. We're no longer going to struggle with difficulty. There's no longer going to be heartache or despair or discouragement in our lives, but we are going to enter into a place of this peace and this joy and no longer will we sorrow and have to worry about who's going to be the next president or what's going to happen with the Supreme Court or what's going to happen with this situation, what's going to happen with Medicaid, what's going to happen with Social Security. We don't have to worry about any of that stuff. You know, as we were in prayer this morning, there's a parent who is, who is struggling and they're, 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 um, they're battling with cancer and their fear is not where they are going to be, but their fear is for their children's faith. Their fear is that their children, because their children lost one parent 10 years ago, and and, and the next parent seems to be going the same direction. And so the parent is just like, man, I don't see how these kids are ever going to be able to believe in and trust in God. But there's a day that is coming that none of those concerns will be on our heart, that none of those worries will be there. And so the future really is bright. 
The future really is, I mean, hey, there, there, there may be a part that's dark that we got to go through, but the beauty of it is that at the end of it all, we are going to be able to see the promises of God accomplished and the will of God established and his will being done in our lives gives us the peace and the hope that we need. Second paragraph here, no matter how busy we are, how pressing our problems, how overwhelming our circumstances, a day is coming when Christ shall return and that certain future should give us courage and strength for today. See, the reason why encouragement is so important is not because, just because it makes us look forward, but it's because it gives us hope now. It gives us the courage that we need to continue on now. It gives us the strength that we need to continue to press on, to continue to press through, to continue to fight the good fight of faith that God calls us to fight, that God calls us to run. He, wa he wants us to run this race. Last paragraph here, faith in the future promised in Scripture moves us into gospel mission. We have been, the, the, the gospel mission we have been chosen for. I love this quote by C.S. Lewis. It's a little offensive, but check it out. It is since Christians have largely ceased to think of the other world that they have become so ineffective in this. Hmm. It's because we don't think about eternity. We don't think about later on. We don't think about when we cross across that line from here to there. We're not thinking about that, you know. I mean, if we're, if we're honest, if, if, if we're really honest, and, and I say we, I don't say you, I say we. If we are really honest, we probably prayed for, you know, something that we needed. If this week, if we prayed, I don't know if you prayed, right? But if we prayed, we probably prayed about something that we're going through right now. In our prayer circle, when we pray, what are we praying about? We're praying about present situations that are going on in our lives. Is there anything wrong with that? No, there's nothing wrong with that. But, 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 but how many of us, when we get down and pray, are thinking, God, I'm going to stand before you one day. I'm going to give an account of my life one day. And I want to live today as though I'm not living for today, but I'm living today as I'm living for tomorrow. I'm living today as though I'm living for eternity. I'm living today as though I don't care so much about what is going to happen in my day today because what I realize is that when it's all said and done, I'm going to breathe my last breath and every accomplishment that I have in this life is going to be left behind. Everything that I have earned is going to be left behind. But the one thing is for certain, I will stand before you to be judged based upon the life that I live. How many of us even and pray anything remotely near that at least once a week that we ever think about and consider and see Paul brings back this reality to the church and he wants them to think about that because you know what they're concerned yesterday um I, had, I, I, I was doing a, a, a memorial service here at the church, and you know, so I had to miss the Covenant Couples event. But nonetheless, you know, I was here, and I read through this scripture for, this, for, the, for, the, for the family and the friends that were there. And it's because what happens is here, you know, we see in this scripture, Paul, he says in the beginning, if you look at it with me, um, in verse, in, in verse 13, he says, But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, yes, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. 
The reality is that when someone dies, there's sorrow in our hearts, is it not? Is that not true? I mean, this, this is a reality. There's sorrow. They, you know, this family, they were, they, they were in sorrow over their grandmother, you know, their mother that, that had passed away, great-grandmother that had passed away. For those of you, Angel Santiago, just so you can keep him and his family in prayer, his, his grandmother passed away this morning and breathed her last breath. And so they are going through this time. But the beauty of it is for us as believers, if you're a believer, this is a word that is supposed to encourage you. And so it encourages us so that way we don't mourn the same way that those who don't have hope mourn because we do have a hope and that hope is in what? It's in what Jesus has done. And so the big idea for today, because I really want you to get this, is focus on the future will cause us to bear fruit in the present. Focus on the future will cause us to bear fruit in the present. See, when I am living my life for eternity, when I am thinking about the reality that I will give an account for my life on this earth, that I will give an account to, to, to see how I lived on this earth, when I live that way, when I live understanding that God desires, listen now, the Bible says that he predestined us to good works, which tells me that God desires from eternity past that you and I walk in good works because what? Because we serve a good God who is a good father who desires to reward his children. Are you here? We serve a God who has created us with purpose. He created us with purpose. He didn't, listen, nobody is here just by happenstance. Nobody is here because you were a mistake. You know, you, you may have not been thought about. Hello. So, some, somebody might have found out about you, you know, one day they went to the doctor, their stomach was hurting or something like that, or, you know, they started to get sick at, at a certain time, and they were like, man, I, am I pregnant? Mean, I've heard people, I've heard women that have literally, like, gone into labor, and they didn't even know they were pregnant. I don't know how that happens, but anyway, I'm just saying, it has happened, all right? There, there, there's children, some of you in here, you know, you were that child, you know, you were the one that was not expected, you were the unplanned one. Hello, somebody. But, but I want you to know that you may have been unplanned in this earth. You may have been unthought of in this life. But in eternity past, you were thought of and you were planned. Hello. The reason why you're here today is because of God's plan. And God desires to reward us. But if we're not thinking about eternity, you know, it's just like goals in life. Like in this life, you know, when we set goals in this life, right? If, we're, if we don't, typically, if we, the reason why people talk about setting goals is because typically if we don't have a goal, then we're not going to take steps toward those goals. You know, when, when I was learning about goals in school, you know, the way that they explained it to us, that, you know, you put your little 10-year goal or long, you know, your long-term term goal, right? Ten-year goal, and you know, where do you want to be? And then you bring it down to five years, right? And then you bring it down to a year, and then you bring it down to the week, and then you bring it down to the day. Hmm. See, because there's a lot of us that have ten-year goals. We haven't gotten there yet. You want to know why? Because today you're doing nothing to get there. See, goals are not just, hey, I'm just going to speak it. I'm just going to write it down and pray over it. No, no, you got to move toward them, right? It's the same thing with us in, he in, in, in heaven and eternity and us standing before God. The Bible says that he predestined us to those good works. So you know what that means that I should be doing? That's the book of Ephesians. You know what that means for you and I that we should be doing on a daily basis? On a daily basis while we pray our list. And, I, and you know what? Everybody has a list. There's nobody in here. I pray for my kids. I pray for my wife. I pray for the church. I pray for success. I pray for growth in your lives. I pray for growth. I pray that you reach people. I pray all of this kind of stuff. I mean, I have other issues that I go through. I pray for that stuff. But you know what's something else that I, that I have to pray about and that I try to make sure that I consider every day, and I'm not perfect at this, but I try to consider, God, what works do you have for me to do today? 
What is it that you have for me to do? You know, I know you work a nine to five, but can I tell you something? I'm just going to throw this in there. God may have some works for you to do within that nine to five that don't fall in line with what you wanted to do. Are you here? And, 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 and I'm not saying that you're going to go to work. I've already said this before. I'm not saying you're going to go to work, you know, and I'll, just, I'll use the call center idea again, and you go to work, and, you know, to your 9 to 5, and you just feel led by the Holy Ghost in the middle of the time you need to be on the phone making calls, that you're just going to be real spiritual and start preaching the gospel. That is not what I'm talking about. That is a bad witness, okay? That is not a good work that doesn't bring glory to God. But you know what? You may have desired to go ahead and go to a certain place to have lunch and maybe have some quiet time. And the Spirit of God may be saying to you, you know what? There is a co-worker that is there that needs you to invite them to lunch. And that way you can share with them. You can pray with them. You can have a, a time where they encounter God through you. I'm just saying, you may, have, you may have desired just to come home on your own schedule and do things the way that you want to do them. But you know what? God may have something that he wants to interrupt your schedule but you know what, y'all? We will never get there if we're not asking him about it. We'll never get there if we're not willing to go that. You know how many people that I've heard? I mean, I've, had, I've heard plenty of testimonies of people, you know, they wake up, you know, they leave their house, and they just feel like the Lord tells them, go this way, go that way. And these people are going this way, that way. They find themselves somewhere, and the Lord wanted to use them in a way in that particular place. Do you believe that God can do that? You see, the issue, I've said this before, you know, a lot of people say serving God is boring, and I say God says we're boring. Hello. Oh, you know, it's just about being holy and being righteous. Hold on a second. We have a God that is a missionary God. Are you here? We have a God that, you know, Jesus needed to go and see the woman at the well. Why? Because she needed an encounter with God. And not just her, but the whole city of Samaria needed an encounter with God. And guess how it was going to happen? It wasn't because Jesus was going to go to Samaria. It is because Jesus was going to encounter one woman. And that one woman was going to be so changed and transformed that she was going to go back to that city and be a witness to where the whole city came out to see Jesus. And then learn, man, we've heard his words and we know that he is who he says that he is are you here this is the way that God wants to use us the question is are we willing to allow God to interrupt our schedules are we willing to focus on eternity and that is where it begins church if we want to bear fruit for the glory of God if we want to bear fruit that is lasting if we want to see God's glory in and through our lives it begins with our prayer time it begins with us sitting down before the Lord and saying God you have good words you said you pre you prepared for me to do and I know some of those good works are being a good husband, amen, being a good wife, amen, being good children, amen, being good parents, amen, being good, you know, all that, all that good stuff is good. I, I, I believe that. But there may be more that God wants to do in our lives. And I don't say maybe lightly. I mean it seriously. Like that needs to be something that is in our hearts because we want to be a people that are bearing fruit for the glory and for the honor of God. So the first thing I'll ask you to repeat after me is this. Say, we can trust God will in the future, because Jesus did in the past. We can trust God will in the future because Jesus did in the past. So I read verse 13. We'll read it again and read verse 13 and verse 14. It says, but I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. And verse 14 says, for if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring him, will bring him those who sleep in Jesus. And so Jesus died rose again, and because we know that happened, God is going to bring those with himself who have died in Jesus. When it's talking about falling asleep there, not talking about taking a nap, it's talking about being dead. It's talking about those who have expired. 
Those who have laid down for, you know, for their last time on this earth. It's talking about those people. And so he's saying, listen, there's something that's there. And so you know what? You know why we can trust God? Because of the gospel. Say the gospel. The gospel is why we can trust God. Because God sent his son from heaven to die for our sins, to die for my sins, to die for your sins. Because our sins separate us from God. And so God loves us, sends his son to die for us. His son comes, dies, sheds his blood on this earth, gives us the only way to be reconciled to the Father. And not only does he die, but the scripture says he rises again. And the Bible says, he rises for our justification. He rises to show us that he has power over the one thing that no one has power over. Listen, you can search for the fountain of youth all you want. Hello, somebody. You can go ahead. You can use all the lotions and potions that you want, and you can look cute. You can go ahead, and you can get all of the liposuction and all of the Botox, and you can get all the face stretching. I'm going to just call it that because that's really what it, what it boils down to. If anybody's had that in here, I don't know, but what I'm saying is... You can work out two and three times a day. You can eat, you know, from everything organic. You can be a vegan. I don't care what you are, but there is coming a day that you will breathe your last breath. And I want you to know something. It will be your last breath. You don't have the power. You don't have the ability to raise yourself up. There is only one who has power over death, and that is God himself. And Jesus rises to let us know, listen, if I am telling you, you can be free from sin, you can be free from sin. If I'm telling you, you can be delivered, you can be delivered. If I'm telling you that I can heal, that I can restore, and if I'm telling you those things, you know why we bet on that? And I'm not saying that we bet like that's a good thing. I'm just saying the reason why we bank on that, the reason why we believe that is because our God rose and he is still seated in glory. That's where our hope is. And so when God says he's going to do something, you know why I know he's going to do it? Because he already did it. Hello. Because he already accomplished it. And so when God says he's coming back, we're going to get into this in a moment. But when God says he's coming back, when God says he's returning, then we know that he's going to do it because he already did it in his Christ. You see, the whole point of this is, is that we must live in the present with our eyes fixed on the future. I know some of you are looking for November 9th as the future. Look beyond that. Amen. I know some of you heard the last debate, and you heard somebody talk about 2020. It's potential that if nothing is done, Social Security is going to crash, Medicaid is going to crash. And so look, look beyond that. Hello. Look beyond that. Let our eyes be fixed on the one who says, I have everything in my hands. Hello, somebody. The second thing I ask you to repeat after me is to say the return of Jesus for his church is our sure future. And so Paul is encouraging the church here. He's encouraging them. And so in verse 15, look at verse 15 and read down to verse 18. He says, for this we say by the word of the Lord. He's not saying this on his own authority. He's saying this on the authority of the word of God. That we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. So what is Paul saying? He's saying, listen, there is going to be this trumpet. He didn't say this at this moment. But there is going to be this trumpet that's going to blast. And the dead in Christ, they're going to rise up. And guess what? We're not going to go before them. That's what he's saying. He's saying if we're alive when Jesus returns, they're going to go first. So the people that you loved and that were with Jesus, guess what? They're going to go first. And then guess what? We meet them in there. That's what he's saying here. He's, he's encouraging them about this. In verse 16, he says, 
says, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore comfort one another with these words. And so everybody in here has probably lost a loved one in their life, someone that they care about. You know, we're coming close to the holiday seasons. I think someone prayed for those who are coming through the holiday seasons and have lost loved ones. You know, holidays are always difficult when you've lost someone you love because that, one, that loved one is not going to be there this holiday season. But we can rejoice because what? Because of two, th- th- there's two things that we should be rejoicing in. Number one is that we'll meet them again. That's, that's a beautiful thing, is it not? A beautiful thing that we'll be able to be with them again, that we'll be able to rejoice with them again. If they were suffering, if they were sick, they're not going to be in that condition anymore. They're going to be fully restored, fully healed. They're going to be able to rejoice. But you know what the second thing, which is even more important than that, is that we get to be with the Lord forever. See, I don't know about you, but I look forward to being with the Lord forever. Oh, yes, there's things that I want to do, you know. There's things that, 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 that I want to experience. You know, there's things that I, you know, I don't really know if I want to walk my daughter down the aisle because I want to keep it to myself. Amen. So I may ask the Lord just to stop that. I'm just kidding. But, 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 but nonetheless, I mean, on a realistic level, I look forward to the boo-hoo crying, you know. I look forward to the broken heart. I look forward to coming home and be like, where's my baby girl? I look forward to all of that, right? And so, but you know what? I, I, not, not because I don't want to see that. But, but, I, but I don't say, well, God, listen, I need to walk her down the aisle before you come. Can we talk about that, right? Like, that's not the way that it is. Like, God, I, gotta, I have to finish this stuff. See, some of you students, you need to be praying. Like, God, come today. I don't want to take that test. Hello. Right? I mean, I mean just think about how, how, how alleviating it is, you know. If Je- there is so much that you don't ever have to worry about if Jesus comes today, right? Like, that should be something. Don't go commit suicide. But listen to me now, all right? There, there, there should be some serious rejoicing. Like, I can't wait for the day that that trumpet sounds and that I go to be with the Lord forever because no longer am I worried about the mortgage or the light bill or the car note. No longer am I worried about this situation or that situation, but I am rejoicing in his presence forever. Forever. Amen. And so that is our sure, that, that, that is our assurance. That is our hope. That is what we should be looking forward to. And what, and what, should, we, what should we be doing? We should be encouraging one another. We should be encouraging one another that that day's coming. And listen to me. It is a sure thing. What did I say earlier? Politicians may not keep their promises. We may fall short when we try to keep our promises and we make promises, but God does not fall short with his promises. He promised that he's going to come. Which brings us to our third point here. Say, we must be ready for the day of the Lord. We must be ready for the day of the Lord. Now, this is my longest point here. We're going to go through 11 verses, but look at this. It says here, beginning in verse 1 of chapter, of chapter 5, it says, But concerning the times and seasons, brethren, you have no need that I should write to you. Now, let me say this, and I'm just going to pause as we read through this. Since the days of Jesus, even before the days of Jesus, when the Messiah was coming has always been a question, is it not? The, the, the people of Jesus' day, they were waiting for the king that was going to come. That's the reason why they thought this king is here. And, and, even, and, and even when you look at what happened when Jesus was, was prophesied that he was, was going to be born, what did the king do? The king had all of the children, all the boys that were under two years old killed. Why? Because his understanding was the king that was going to come was going to overthrow my kingdom. 
Are you here? And so he was trying to eliminate this conquering king that was prophesied about. And when Jesus comes on the scene, he doesn't come on the scene as a conquering king at that moment. He comes on the scene as a lamb savior. He comes on the scene to die in our place and to establish his kingdom in our hearts and to give us a hope for the kingdom to come. It doesn't stop there because remember, after Jesus dies on the cross, he rises from the dead and he's getting ready to ascend into heaven. His disciples say what? Lord, will you now restore the kingdom? And he's like, no, no, no. It's not time for that. Right now, you need to go ahead and occupy what you need to do. Wait in Jerusalem until you have been endued with power and go and be my witnesses in, Ju- in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and all of the earth. That's what he tells them. And so it has always been a question. And so Paul is like, listen, I don't need to write to you about time to season. Look what he says. He says, for you yourself know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. Are you here? Now, look what he, 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 he communicates here, and he tells him, he says, listen, he said, I don't need to tell you about when you are coming. And, 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 and here's what God says. Everybody's saying, God, when are you coming? You know what God says? God says, be ready for my coming. Yeah. Don't worry about when I'm coming. The question is not, when am I coming? The question is, are you ready for me to come? There's a, there's a bumper sticker that I hate <laughs> of the many, but one that is, that is particular to this message And it is, you know, Jesus is coming, look busy. You ever seen that? Jesus is coming, look busy. And and the reason why I hate that is because every time I look at that bumper sticker, I think about that. It's kind of like, you know, like, like, like kids who are doing something they shouldn't be doing, and they try to act like they're not doing it. When mom and dad walk in the door, right? Or people at work that are not working, and then all of a sudden, you know, the boss comes in, everybody scrambles like they're doing something. So that's the implication. We just need to look busy because God doesn't know our hearts. God doesn't know that we ain't doing anything, right? It isn't that. But how is it that we are supposed to be when we're considering Jesus coming? Well, when we look at Jesus' return, what it means is not to just be busy, but it means to be waiting expectantly in holy anticipation and in service of the king who is returning for a blameless, not busy church. Are you hearing me? A blameless church, a church that is without spot, a church that is without wrinkle, a church that is given unto the Lord 100%. That is what he's coming back for. He's not coming back for a bunch of people that are busy doing all kind of stuff, looking spiritual, looking holy, looking like they care about God. That isn't it. He's looking for a people that are really and truly devoted and and, and are really devoted to and thinking about the eternity that is to come. That's what he's looking for. He's looking for in us. So he tells them, we don't need to talk about that. He says that, that, that the coming of the Lord is like a thief in the night. So does he give us an exact day or time? No. Never does. You know, there have been plenty of people that have prophesied that. You know, one guy, I don't know who he was. We were talking about it the other day. You know, he gave a year and a date, and then he said, oh, I messed up when Jesus didn't show up. But let me tell you something. This is what's crazy. Can I tell you what's crazy, what, what's even crazier about this? Is that he gave a follow-up date. And if I'm not mistaken, I think he gave another date, but I don't know. But here's the deal. The guy gave one date. Jesus doesn't show up, and he has the nerve to say, oh, you know what? I miscalculated. Let me give you the real date he's coming. I don't even, I don't even understand that. The point is, okay, that we know nobody knows the date or the time that Jesus is coming, but we can't know the season. Are you here? 
And so what does Jesus say? He gives this picture of the thief in the night. And, and where does it come from? It comes from the book of Luke, chapter 12, verse 39 to 40. He said this. He says, if the owner of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have let his house be broken into. You also must be ready because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. And so it's highly unlikely that Jesus is going to come on a Sunday morning. I'm just saying. Because everybody's holy on Sunday, right? Everybody's like expecting, like, you are on your best behavior. You didn't drop the F-bomb. You didn't curse someone out. You were, like, dressed in your best clothes, especially after my message last week. You're looking at yourself in the mirror like, okay, am I looking right? Hello, somebody, right? And so at least I hope you are. But, you know, nonetheless, right, you, 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 you are, on, you, you are on, on, on lookout for Jesus. Hello. You're like, Lord, come in all of your glory, right? So I don't think Jesus is coming on a Sunday morning, but I could be wrong, okay? I could be wrong. For the sake of some, I hope he comes on Sunday. Amen. <laughs> I didn't say some of you. I said some. Hello. The reality is he said that the Son of Man will come at a time that you do not expect him. And so he gives this thief in the night, you know, correlation. Look at verse 3. He says, for when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman, and they shall not escape. So what does he say? He says, the coming of the Lord is like a thief in the night. Nobody is knowing when that time is coming. And then he gives this correlation to a woman in labor pain. It's so funny because... I was thinking about this, this message, and the other day, um, one, of, one of our trainers, you know, she's pregnant. she was pregnant with her first child, and her first child was due November 4th, November 4th, and we were at CrossFit on the day before my birthday, which is October 8th, in case you all forgot that, hello. <laughs> I turned 40 on, on that day, that's, that's pretty, pretty, you know, amazing. Um, but nonetheless, as I'm leaving CrossFit, right, she just, she just coached the class, right, so she's all good. Everything is great, right? And I'm thinking to myself, I was going to joke with her before she left and say, hey, don't be going to give giving birth to this baby on my birthday. Hello. Don't do it, right, because I'm selfish like that. But anyway, but I, I didn't say anything to her. And then I see a Facebook post with a picture of her newborn baby that was born on my birthday. My birthday. It was my birthday. Amen. <laughs> on my birthday, right? And what happened was, because Matthew came in, Matthew messed up a lot of stuff, by the way, hello. But nonetheless, Matthew comes in, the, the pressure in the atmosphere drops, and guess what happened? Peace, safety, all of a sudden, birth pain came, hello. All of a sudden, she was like, oh, something's going on. She didn't know what was going on, because she's not even thinking that this is going to happen anytime soon, because what? She's like, I got a month to go, Hello. All of a sudden, a month earlier, this baby comes. She goes into labor pain, and there was no escaping. Hello. <laughs> there was no timeout. There was no do-over. It was it. And, and that is the coming of the Lord. For, the, for, for some of you women, you know, I mean, you were, I mean, I was talking to someone, I think my mom, you know, she was telling me about, you know, when she gave birth to me, I was her first, by the way. Hello. She thought she peed on herself. Right? A lot of women, that's what you thought happened. It was just like, boom, and all these pains came on you, and suddenly you were pushing, glory to God, and then, you know, you had this amazing child come out, especially my mom. You know, it was amazing. It was amazing. She was amazed. It was, a, it was an amazing moment. <laughs> uh, she would attest to that. She would attest. Amen. Amen. But nonetheless, 
you know, the, 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 the fact is Jesus and, and, and Paul, that Jesus talks about a thief in the night. Paul talks about a thief in the night. And then he, the apostle Paul says, this is the way that this is going to happen. And so it lets us into, it lets us know some things that look, man, it is going it, it to happen in a way that we, are, that, that we are not necessarily expecting. But you know what he goes on to say? He says this. Look what he says in verse 4. This is important for us Christians. Now, if you call yourself a believer, this is extremely important for you. Because look what he tells us. He says, but you, brethren, are not in darkness. So that the day, that is a capital D, talking about the day of the Lord. So that this day should overtake you as a thief. You see, the ones that it's going to overtake as a thief are the ones who are not ready are the ones who are walking in the dark. He goes on to say, he says, you are all sons of light and sons of the day. We are not of the night nor of the darkness. And so what does he tell us? He tells us, listen, if you're a child of God, you may not know the day, exact day, and the exact time, but that day and time should not overtake you as a thief. Hello. Because you are supposed to be walking in the light, not walking in the darkness. You are supposed to be walking as a child of day. You are supposed to be living for the glory and honor of God, looking forward to the return of Jesus. That is what it means when he's talking about us being children of the day and not children of the night. Look what he goes on to say. It says, therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. Well, he's not talking about dying. No, that's not what he's talking about. He's talking about slumbering. He's talking about being laxed spiritually. He's talking about thinking, well, you know what? I've been hearing that Jesus is returning for a long, long time. And, you know, I, I don't know when he's going to come, but I'm just going to do my own thing because I really don't think that's going to happen. You want to know what? That's what a lot of people think today. That's how a lot of people are living because some of you have been in church a little bit longer than me. Some of you are a little bit older than me. And if you were honest, you've been hearing about Jesus returning. I mean, you've been hearing about that since you were a little kid. And because he hasn't returned, it suddenly takes the sting out of or the fear out of or the anticipation out of it. But can I tell you something? I don't care whether it stings, whether it hurts, whether you're tired of hearing it or not. The reality is he is and we should be ready, not sleeping like others. So Paul is telling the church, he says, in verse 7, he said, for those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet, the hope of salvation. For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. Therefore, comfort each other and edify one another, just as you also are doing. And so what is Paul? The apostle... The, the, the Apostle Paul tells us about this peace and safety that is going to be there and this sudden thing that's going to happen to others. He tells us that we are supposed to be awake, that we are not supposed to be sleeping. And then he, he uses these two words, talks about people getting drunk, and he talks about people sleeping. And so there's two things that we need to consider here and think about this for a moment. It is that are you a person who is sleeping? Because this is what the enemy wants. The enemy wants the church to be lazy and loose in its living. Are you here? This is what the enemy wants. The enemy wants us to be lazy. He wants us to be lacking spiritually. He wants us to not be vigilant. He wants us to be those who are apathetic spiritually. He wants us to be those who are not concerned about the things of God. He wants us to be those who are concerned more about the present cares of this world than we are about the coming of our Lord. That's what he wants. He wants us to become so drained by life that we don't have time for things that are spiritual. Are you here? This is what he wants from us. 
And he wants us to be loose in our living. When he talks about this drunkenness, what is he talking about? Is he only talking about people getting drunk or is he trying to drive home a bigger picture? Obviously, drunkenness is clear sin. It's clear. It's clear. There's no question about this. But what he was communicating to them is he was letting them know, listen, that is talking about us being careless in our conduct, ethically, morally. That's what the enemy wants. He wants us to be loose. He wants us to feel, you know, the, 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 the big thing nowadays, and, you know, it is, it is that we are free so we can just do what we want to do. Are you here? We're free. We're free. Y'all haven't heard that? Hello, somebody. I'm not just talking about this, the, the song that, you know, we sing, I am free. I'm not talking about that. <laughs> but there are people that feel like, hey, man, you know, we're, we're free. We're under grace. I've been liberated. So I can do, you know, whatever I want to do. But doesn't Paul say, don't use your liberty as a license to sin? Doesn't he say that? Paul also talks about us not doing certain things just because it'll be a stumbling block to others. Are you here? This is what Paul talks about. Some of us don't even, do, some of us don't even listen to that part of the admonition. We don't. We feel like, hey, I'm comfortable doing my thing. You know, other people, they got to work out their own salvation. That is selfish. That is selfish. That you're going to do your thing because you're free to do it. That's terrible. That's not, that's, not, that's not even loving. That's not caring about others. But what the enemy wants is he wants us to do what? He wants us to be lazy. He wants us to be loose. And so the church of today, I say it like this. The church of today, we need to look up, we need to wake up, and we need to rise up. Are you here? We need to look up. We need to look up to the one who is seated in glory. We need to get our eyes. Listen, and again, I understand we all have our list. We all have our situation. We all have our goals in this life. We all have all that kind of stuff. And I'm not telling you to forget about that. But what I am telling you is to make sure you elevate your eyes above those lists, that you elevate your eyes above those situations, and that you look up to the one who is on the return for you and I, that we do that. The second thing is that we wake up and that we don't get lulled to sleep by this world, but that we be vigilant spiritually, that we be sober spiritually, that we be awake in prayer and worship and fasting and reading and memorization and meditation and application of the word of God, that that is how we are, that we are having our eyes open and awaken to the needs of those that are around us spiritually and that we are not so consumed in and of ourselves and that we rise up. He said to put on this breastplate to put on this helmet of salvation he told us to do this for what because we are supposed to be a militant church i love the idea those who are in heaven they are the triumphant church those are the ones who have already made it across the line of eternity those are the ones who are there in glory with jesus right now but we church are supposed to be the church militant we are supposed to be the church that is on the ground, that is doing the work and the will of the Lord. But we don't do this when we're sleeping and when we're lax. We don't do that. We don't do those things when we're not looking towards eternity. So here is my closing question for you today. I got a couple of them. First of all, does the fruit of your life show you are focused upon the future or are you being choked up in the present cares of this life? I'll say that again because it's a long one. Does the fruit of your life show you are focused upon the future or are you being choked up in the present cares of this life does your life show that you're focused on the future does your life show man that you care about beyond here your life is bearing fruit for God's glory or are you just choked up with what you're going through in your life good or bad or indifferent whatever whatever it is that you're going through are you consumed by those things or are you consumed by the heavenly call 
Are you consumed by the future return of Jesus? The second question that I have is, are you living lazy spiritually? Listen, there's got to be a constant challenge that's before us all the time. I talk to people plenty, and, 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 you know, and, 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 they, and they don't have this spiritual zeal. They don't have this spiritual passion for the Lord. And, and, and the question that I have always is, what is your prayer life like? Let's just get real practical on it. I mean, if you don't, look, if you, if you don't have a consistent prayer life, ain't nothing else coming out of your life that's going to be consistent. Not on a spiritual level. I just put it like that. If you don't consistently spend time with the Lord, and this is not, listen, this is not a guilt thing. This is a grace thing. God gives us the grace in order to wake up and pray or to spend time with him in prayer. It is because of his blood that we're able to access the throne room, and so we get to spend time with God. You know, and, and, and once we go from prayer, what is your word life like? What is your time in Scripture? One of the things that I, listen, I, I fight for. You know, I didn't, I didn't get to accomplish my goals that I had in the beginning of the year of reading through the Scriptures the way that I want to. But the one thing that I fight for is to at least read one chapter in the Word of God a day that doesn't have to do with what I'm preaching or teaching. Are you here? It's got to be. Look, you know, we, we all talk about the, 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 the three chapters a day plan to read the Bible in a year. Well, let me give you another one. Read one chapter a day and you'll read the Bible in three years. Listen. And in three years, if Jesus has not returned, hello, I'm pretty sure you will have gained just as much and maybe more than that person who's reading three chapters a day. I'm just saying. The point is, get into the Word. Are, are you in the Word of God? Or are you living lazy spiritually? Seriously. Are you spending time with God? And the last one is this. Are you living loose morally? He talked about drunkenness, right? Are you living lazy spiritually? Are you living loose morally? Are you just doing what you want to do? Are you, are you not even concerned with what God's word says? Because you know what? If you're not and you're living how you want, guess what? You're not going to be bearing fruit for eternity because you're living for your own pleasures. As the book of Philippians says, your belly is your God. Your desires are your God. And so if you're living loose morally, then God calls you to repentance. He calls you to turn to him, to surrender to him, and to allow him to fill you so that way you can look at a bright future, one future that you are looking towards and that you are living for. Amen? So I'll stand on our feet. Let's bow our heads together. I don't, I don't exactly know where you're <clears throat> struggling. Maybe, you're, maybe your issue is you're just going through a whole bunch of stuff in your life, and you just can't focus beyond this life. Maybe things are so good that you just can't even think about eternity because this life right now, for some people, is like that. Things are, th th things are just so peaceful. Things are all right. Marriage is good. Kids are good. Finances are good. Like you're not even worried about Jesus coming. You need to repent of that too. Some of us, we're just going through so much hardship in our lives that we can't even think about Christ coming either because we're so overwhelmed with our present situations. And really what God wants us all to be able to do is to look up and look beyond those things. 
So maybe you're struggling. Maybe, maybe, maybe as, as, as I'm talking about prayer or talking about being in the Word, talking about fasting, I mean, whatever, whatever it is that is, that, that is hindering you from being the person on a spiritual level that you're called to be, maybe that's you in this place. I don't know. Or maybe you're in here and you're just living loose morally. You're just doing your own thing. You know the things you're doing are not pleasing to God. You know the things that you're doing do not bring glory to Him. And today God calls you to repent of those things. Today God calls you to look to Him. And so I'm going to ask you to bow your heads. I'm going to ask you to bow your hearts. And I was going to ask you, you know, you know how God spoke to you today. So if God spoke to you in one of those ways that, you know, I talked about here, and you just want someone to pray with you, I'm just going to invite you to come forward. Just come forward and let us pray together. I want to pray with you. Don't let that seat hold you back. Don't be embarrassed to come forward. I want to pray with you today. I believe that God is going to break some chains off of some lives. I believe that God wants to set some people free today. God wants to call you to that place of repentance, call you to that place of surrender. He wants you to lay some stuff down on this altar today. As I pray, I'm going to pray right now, general prayer. And as I pray that, if you feel led to come forward, don't, don't hold back. Respond to the Lord today. Father, look at every heart in this place. Lord, your word has gone forward into, into their hearts, into their ears. And I just pray for them today, Lord God. Father, I pray that you would remove fear. I pray that you would remove doubt. I pray that you would remove whatever may hold them back from moving forward in faith with you today. I pray, Lord God, that you fill them. I pray that you fill them with your spirit. Give them the grace, Lord God, to call upon you in this place today. Praise the name of the Lord. Come on, worship him in this place. Worship him in this place. Jesus, Jesus. <clears throat> Can I have some of the worship team come up here and just help me with that song right there? Praise the name of Jesus. Jesus, you're the center. Yes.
grab your neighbor's hand. Let us pray together. Father, we thank you so much. We thank you for what you have done in our hearts. We thank you for what you are doing in our lives. And we just pray, Spirit of God, that you would have your way in us. Lord, you know where we are, Lord God. You know what we're going through. You know what we're facing. And so today, Lord God, we pray that you would be the center, my God. That you would be the center of our thoughts. That you would be the center of our desire. That you would be the center of who we are in all things, Lord God. Father, that we would desire, above all things, to give you glory, to give you honor. We pray this in Jesus' good name. Amen, amen, amen. Come on, give God a hand of praise. He's worthy.